$5 for a two-hour movie and then realize that my flight is only 90 minutes long. I mean, come on! Brushing my teeth this morning, my battery died halfway through. I hate that. My hair smells like Starbucks. My hand smells like Starbucks. My iPad smells like Starbucks. That's the worst. Hmm. <sighs> I lost it. Just shoot me. Ah, oh, just shoot me. Put me out of my misery. Kill me now. Just shoot me in the face. Wasn't I just chewing gum? I don't remember spitting it out. This blanket doesn't have any sleeves. For I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Why is it we aren't? You know, it's, it's amazing to me because when, when I saw this video, I thought to myself, this is perfect. Why doesn't this blanket have sleeves? I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Do we actually realize or do we even know what hunger is? Think about it. Have you gone four or five days without eating? Have you gone a period of time, and maybe for some of you that have fasted, you know, I know that for myself, when, when I fasted, it's the day number one that you'll start to get the, the bellies. By day number three, I did a five-day fast, but I still did juices. And uh, But in that time of prayer and fasting, you don't really recognize, you know, a lot of the, the grum bellies and everything that's going on until like day number two or three. And uh, But when I heard them, it really resonated with me. How content are we? You know, because we don't even understand, as Americans, we are in a season and embarking upon a season that so many people have so many wants. They've already filled out their list. They've already made their, their list. They've checked it twice. They've asked themselves if they've been naughty or nice. And yet, you know, if you didn't make Black Friday, unfortunately, you won't get that blanket with sleeves because they ran out because they were 50 cents each. You got mad. You were upset because people were just forcing their way past you to get the blanket with the sleeves. Contentment. 
How many of us can actually say that we are content? I want to say that we had a, a wonderful three-week uh, sabbatical. First time I've done that in, in 13 years of this church. I've been away for, I think, 10 days. But it was great for me. It was mental clarity. It was, for, for many of you may not understand, let me just kind of set a platform for you. When, when you pastor, you're, you're always busy about the Lord's work. Even while we were there, many of you um, may know this or not, but John and Jody lost her, her grandma. Grammy passed away. And uh, so meanwhile, talking back and forth and texting with them, planning and, and trying to get everything planned here for the church, you really don't take a rest like you could. Uh, oftentimes when we leave, when we go on vacation, I'll take that seven days. We might miss that Sunday. But by the following Sunday, I'm already preparing for the next Sunday. I'm coming back. And so for me, it's this constant time of prayer and of studying. And, you know, I try to put it in, in, in perspective like this. Try to write a paper every single week. That's exhausting. Put together a paper, do all the studying, make your outline, put your notes and write out your paper every week. Before long, you'd be like, do I have another paper to write? How many of you remember that in college? You're like, I just can't wait till Thanksgiving break, till winter break, till spring break, because I'm overwriting papers. And yet, we come to a place where, as I was sitting on that balcony and I was looking at the ocean, here's the thought that went through my head. I want to move here. Now, you all are looking at me like I am the only guy who's ever thought that. Come on, when you're from the north and you go down to the south and when you see palm trees and you know that you guys just had snow here and I'm sitting in 80 degree weathers, I, weather, I can't help myself but get excited as I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I could do this all the time. But because I'm hyper, Becky's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm cleaning. What are you doing I've got to stay busy. I've got to do something. So I'm sure that would just get as old as anything else. But but I really believe that as I was sitting there, I asked myself this question. Todd, are you content? Are you content where God planted you? Are you going to bloom where God put you? Why is it we always desire? Okay, let's put it out there like this. Wow. They have a MacBook. Wish I had an iPhone 8. Wish I had a Samsung like that. Man, it must be nice to drive that fancy car. Must be nice to live in that kind of neighborhood. Wish I could eat at Fleming's and have that $100 steak like they do, like it's nothing to them. Wow, wonder how much those shoes cost them. I barely can get a pair of tennis shoes. These have been blown out. We always have a tendency to look at what other people have. And we're never content with what God has given us. I've seen it in the church. I've seen people say to me that I need to go over there because of what they have. And, well, there's always programs everywhere. But the question is this. If I start looking elsewhere, then I'm going to start going elsewhere. Right? But if God called me to New Hope, and during this sabbatical, I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. Right here in Akron, Ohio, with weather that goes down below zero and snowstorms and blizzards where Tad has to work 80 hours in a day and there's not even that many hours in a day and the guy works crazy hours because he runs the service department here in the city of Akron. So you realize that we all go, man, I sure would like to be on a deer stand all the time. By the way, I just want to thank the Lord right now publicly. Lord, I just want to thank you for giving Tad his deer. 
I prayed every week as I saw Maria sitting by herself with her handkerchief and her Kleenex and her afghan that she quilted while he was gone. Thank you, Lord. That was a big buck that dude got. And anyhow, if you need any beef jerky, please see Tad following the morning service. He'll be happy to hook you up. Anyhow, back to the service. Are we content? Are we content with what God has for us? Could you do me a favor and turn in your Bible to Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 through 20. Jen, I want to thank you for being back in the sound booth. Thank you so much for your help and uh, for helping me with the scripture this morning. And uh, I do appreciate it. Today we're going to consider the topic of contentment. What is contentment? Contentment is, is all about being satisfied. See, the word content actually means be enough, to suffice. And it has to do with being content with what is available. I like this book by Jerry Bridges called The Pursuit of Godliness. He writes that we must learn to be content in respect to three areas. Listen closely. Our possession, our position in life, and in the church, and in the providence of Almighty God. One of the things that are interesting in Jerry's chapter on contentment was how he had applied it it to his own life. And I want you to listen to what he wrote. Listen closely. Since early childhood, I have suffered a vision impairment that is often frustrating. And total hearing loss in one ear that is often, often embarrassing. But those are not my only physical problems. One day I stood before the bedroom mirror and named seven distinct things that were wrong with my body. Things that I had often fretted over and fretted about and murmured over. That day I said, Lord, I accept the fact that you made me the way that I am. And that your grace is sufficient for all these limitations. And that your grace is sufficient for all of these limitations. He said, I cannot say I have not fretted over these problems since then, but I can now say I know how to be content with them. By accepting that God's grace is all sufficient. Although I do not always apply this, wonderful fact, even in my own life, it is true and it is always available. The choice to accept it and experience contentment is mine. And the choice of contentment is yours. Your particular circumstance. So let's look in our text today in Philippians chapter 4 verses 10 through 20. And we'll read together. Did she get the, Oh, she didn't get them up there? Okay. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 through 20. And it says this, and I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. Hi, praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content for whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing. Wouldn't that be amazing? I know How to live on almost nothing. Or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. 
And as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church that I planted ever did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. I'm going to continue to keep reading. I'm in verse 18. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I'm generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Ephroditus. There are sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now all glory to God our Father, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray quickly. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this word. Father, pray that you'll challenge us. Speak through me this morning. Help this thought and these points come to life. Lord, help us to grow and yet to be content in all the things that you've provided for us. In your holy name we pray. Amen. I love what verse 11 has to say. And if you'll notice there, Paul says, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. What an amazing statement. Oh, that we might be able with a clear conscience to be able to say this. To be content regardless of the possessions we have or do not have. As you know, we live in a materialistic, buy it on a credit card and pay it later culture. To be content regardless of our social standing or place within the body of Christ. To be content regardless of the things God providentially allows into your life. Would you listen closely, church? When we speak of the providence of God, we acknowledge that no circumstance comes to us by chance and that all things are under the control of Almighty God. I just can't say God. I have to say, Almighty God, He is in control of all things. Hence, we have physical ailments, such as Jerry Bridges has. Maybe when you end up with a grouchy neighbor. Maybe when your health is failing. Maybe when the job doesn't look as promising as it once did. Maybe your kids, your children, your grandchildren have fallen away, have become somewhat uh, like a prodigal and have fallen away from that fellowship even with the family. We know that God is with us. I love this phrase and I wish I could have adopted it. But I want you to listen to this and if you can't even write it down in your Bible... All of this, all of this comes to us as first having gone past God and past Christ right through us. Let me read that again. All comes to us as first having gone past God and past Christ right through us. Alan Redpath has written on the subject saying there is nothing, no circumstance, no trouble, no testing that can ever touch us until, first of all, it has gone past God and past Christ right through to us. If it has come this far, it has also come with a great purpose which we may not presently understand. So I ask you this. So what must we do? We must learn to be content. 
We must trust God only not in our own understanding. We must rest in joy of who our Lord is and the truth that his grace is truly sufficient for each and every one of us. When Paul wrote, I have learned to be content no matter the situation. He is more than qualified to write and teach on this subject and this is why. You see, in this letter... Paul was imprisoned. Paul was in jail. And Paul was writing from a Roman jail. Roman guards were at his side and death was right before him. Paul is also writing as one who had grown up as a youth with a silver spoon in his mouth. Yet, now he knew poverty. Paul knew what it was like to live under persecution, yet Paul knew what it was like to live under peace. Paul knew what it was to have a roof over his head and stars over his head at night. Paul knew what it was to have a full stomach, and Paul knew what it was to have an empty stomach. Paul knew what it was to be surrounded by loving Christians and to be abandoned by his Christian brothers. Paul knew what it was to to be healthy And he knew what it was to have a thorn in his flesh that God refused to take away. We must learn to be content and be about following Paul's excellent example. Watch closely, because in verse 10 it says, He was a joyful Christian. Paul's letter to the Philippians of this passage. And I love that he says that he had joy. In his life. He was a joyful Christian. Filled with the joy. Of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is not something that depends upon external circumstances either. The joy of the Lord that Paul had. And that we must have finds its center in the very person of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ. Who strengthens us. So I'm going to ask you this. Is God enough for you? Is God enough? Is God enough in your life? circumstances are you content because god is enough you see while the tone of joy permeates the whole book of philippians the occasion of paul's joy in the lord and our passage demands all of our attention in considering this passage as a whole it is plain that the discussion as a whole regards the financial and material generosity of the philippians towards him Watch how this starts to unfold just in a few small verses. The guys in jail, the people that are helping him are struggling. And he said, yet I have the joy of the Lord. He is my strength. And in my time of weakness, I have all I need. That's him. And he said, and it's at this point that the people that are wealthy and all those people that I went out to dinner with, that I did things with, I thought they were my friends or no longer my friends. But the Philippians, who had nothing, were poverty-stricken, were the ones that helped him out in a time of need. They saw the need. And so Paul, his joy relates here to the Philippians sending him money and supplies while he was still there, while he was hanging out in prison. Paul rejoiced in the fact that God was going to supply all of his needs. And we read that. And that's exactly what the scriptures promised us. 
And the Philippians were the vessels that God was using to do just that. How many of you believe that joy is contagious? So I did a little thing this past week. And so we got home and, you know, I, I, love, I love doing this to people. Happy Thanksgiving, Debbie. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a nice day. I love this one. God bless you. This is what I got. <clears throat> what was that? Did you say something? I was like, when that guy did, I was like, oh, all I said was thank you. I, I like this. Please go ahead. I've got the door for you. Out of the seven that went through the door, you get one that says, mm. let me rewind that tape. What did you say again? Mm. Was that thank you? Joy is contagious. And then I like, this, this is great, ready? And you guys have heard me say this in a message before. When you say, God bless you, and they go, wow, thank you. I had this lady once, I was going through the line, I said, God bless you. She goes, I'll receive that. I was like, girl, man, you just inspired me. Now when people say that to me, I was like, that is contagious, isn't it? Now they say to me, God bless you. I say back, I'll receive that. Isn't that amazing? Because now it became personal. Because joy is contagious. In the midst of Paul and his suffering, he said, I'm happy. Why was Paul happy? Because Paul was in the center of God's will. Oh. So the Lord and I had a little talk over this little story. I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. I'm happy on this balcony watching the shore just in the wind and the waves and the sunrise on the sunrise down by the Florida ocean and seeing the Atlantic scream. You know you love it here. And here I was. I found myself all of a sudden, even though I was content then, I thought, am I really truly content? Why is it? Listen. We always want more. We always want more. So you see, God will always bless those that are in the center of his will. That's what Paul was saying. So I was like, I got to tell you. The first we were there, I told my wife, I said, you find this thing. We, We get there and it's really pretty and all kinds of nice condominium and everything. And... We, we get, I've never felt so important before in my life. I was waiting for somebody to open up our car door and just kind of park it for me, but nobody was there. Um, but so, you know, you take the elevator all the way up and you get to hit the button that says 4R. That meant for rear as it opens into a foyer. You like that? I said that foyer. It's foyer, actually. And then you open up the door into another one and into this beautiful place. And so I ran around there almost like a little 10-year-old boy. Saying, man, this is one sweet place. Then I asked myself the question, am I deserving of enjoying such accommodations? Am I content with the house that I live in? Am I content with the people that I get to fellowship with? Am I content with the things I have in my home?
Are we content with the circumstances we're in? And then it hit me as I was, as I was putting this together. I even thought to myself, you know, God, you always make a way when there seems to be no way. And at the end of the message, I'll share some thoughts with you in regard to kind of what unfolded. But how God always makes a way for his children, for his people. I was talking with my sister, Deanna, yesterday. She goes, you know, she said, it's just been recent, Todd, that I've noticed my life just lining up with the Lord and trying to do some things. And God's really like, he's just right there and he's, he's putting people in, in situations and things are just working out and I feel good about myself. But what you're saying is you have the joy of the Lord. There's a difference. She's embracing it and practicing it for herself. When we look at Paul's life, Paul could have gotten bitter. Paul could have gotten angry. Paul could have gotten resentful, but he didn't. But what I love about this is that all of the churches that Paul had planted, the Philippian church turned out to be his biggest and most faithful supporter. Time and time again, even when no other churches gave, no matter in what part of the world Paul found himself in, the Philippians strove to support Paul in the work of the gospel. And many of you might say, but, but pastor, I believe that they were probably very, very wealthy people. They could do that. I get so tired of hearing people say, well, you had the money to do such a thing. If I had that kind of money, I'd be able to do all kinds of things. That in there. I, I've been doing this standing in the will of the Lord. I have been poor. There's months I've had money. There's months I've had no money. And I have to get on my knees and ask God, oh, help me, Jesus, I need your help. But I go to him by faith because I believe that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Step outside of his will and you'll start to see all kinds of things start to... It happens. 1 Corinthians, actually 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 through 5, Paul writes of their generosity. Now listen to what it says in Corinthians about the Philippians. It says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and the deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, beyond their means, they were freely giving. They were freely willing. So because of their ability, according to their ability, and beyond their ability, it says, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering of the saints, and not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. The Philippians gave to Paul out of their poverty. They gave till it hurt, all for the sake of their brother Paul and the kingdom of Christ. These Philippian brothers and sisters gave as the Lord and the manner of their giving qualified as a pleasing act of worship to God. Isn't that amazing? It was an act of worship to God. What was an act of worship to? God. So their giving was an I love, love, love this phrase, and I want to share it with you today. It's from Charles Spurgeon. 
he wrote while preaching on this passage. The Christian far often disgraces himself as a Christian when he is prosperous than when he is dirt poor. It is an amazing thing how many will stick to how much, I'm sorry, it is an amazing thing how money will stick to his fingers. You missed it, didn't you? Let me read it to you again. One of the greatest preachers of all time. The Christian far often disgraces himself as a Christian when he is prosperous than when he is dirt poor. It is an amazing thing how money will stick to his fingers. I loved talking about this multi-million dollar lotto. The mega millions, billions, trillions, gazillions, blah, blah, blah. And it always cracks me up. Yeah, if I won that billion dollars, I would help the church. I would help the poor. I would help those in need. I would have a soup kitchen. Well, why aren't you doing it now? I was having this conversation with somebody and I said, (laughs) the Philippians had nothing. We have nothing. But do you understand the people that are here today? I'm not talking those that are on vacation and sick, so on and so forth. I'm talking just the people here today. Do you know what you could do for the kingdom of heaven? Do you know the impact that you could have on people just by being you? What are we doing with the shoes? God laid it on my heart. And within a few months, we're at 700. All we need is we've got one month to get 1,000. When we do a church, come on now. That's the prayer. That's what we're going to do. We can actually put shoes on people's feet that do not have shoes. That's amazing. Don't wait to win the multi-million, billion, trillion gummy bears. Just do whatever you're supposed to do because God has laid it on your heart. You know, I love Christmas time. I'm, I always love just trying to, to, to make uh, Christmas something special. Do that random act of kindness. Buy somebody something from behind you. Is it really going to hurt your pocketbook over $35? It's not. Just, just show love. Show joy. Let people see it. Let them feel it. But you know what Paul was saying? He said in verse 19, he said, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. This is a promise of God that each of us can take to heart. God's promise to each and every one of us who are the followers of Jesus Christ is to give us exactly what we need. I trust you relish and delight in this wonderful promise of God. That he'll always give you what you need. Here's what it is. It's an unbreakable promise. It's a promise that he made. Now, now I don't want to lose you, but God will give us all that we need in his time, in his way, in the vessels of his choosing. Um, I'm going to have to start winding down and preach the rest of this next week. But but I I want to share something with you before, and I'll, I'll just stop where I'm at. I wanted to go through Christmas and talk about contentment, but I want to share something with you. And I'm going to do this all within seven minutes and, uh, so that we can, we can be out of here. But I want you to walk out of here today knowing this. A couple things that we can learn from Paul 
Paul said to be content. He said, I have learned. I learned when I was rich. I've learned when I was poor. I know how it feels to be hungry. I know how it feels to be full. I know what it feels like to, to have all of the blessings of life. And I know how it feels to want. But one thing I know for certain is am I content? The second point that we can learn this morning is our act of worship to God. Church, I'm gonna, uh, this is just me being transparent and real with you. <laughs> not that I'm not any other time. But I feel like so often in our lives, we always want something better. We see the pictures. We, we love uh, the scenery of so many tranquil, calming, beautiful places. And yet, that's something we desire. Sometimes I think we covet, and then we sin over it. But I want you to stop, and in your circumstances today, what have you done to sow into the kingdom of heaven? What have you done as your act of worship to God? Hold on a minute. But I'm waiting to do that. You See, see, Pastor, I applied for a job. No, you heard what Paul said. Don't worry about that. I have nothing. But God's supplying all my needs according to his riches and glory. He's taken care of me. So here we go. We go to Ocean Vista, and I'm going to make this very, very quick. We go to Ocean Vista. We go to this beautiful condominium and think, wow, I am, I'm just blessed. I'm so blessed to be able to be here. So we left there after a week. We went down to Pond Sinlet. We stayed at this condominium, cute little place. But I was so blessed to be there. It was just intimate. It was a great time for my wife and I. We could get up. Matter of fact, by the way, I want all of you to know something. I could preach probably for another four hours because I really missed our church. But my, I had a lot of brain rest. And my wife looked at me nights and said, it's 7 o'clock. Why am I tired? And I said, I don't know. I am too. Should we just go to bed? We went to bed. i let you know. I think most of the time we were in bed by... Eight o'clock. Is that a sign of our age? And I do want to just say a happy birthday to my wife. Tomorrow she'll be 50. Yep. I am. Because she's one hot mama for 50. That's all I got to say. That's right. See? And uh, so happy birthday. But you know what? And I always tell her, I said, honey, I think it's our age. I don't know. I think we just needed rest. And so we went there. So we rested. We had a great time while we were there. Found favor with God. Left there. And I said, on the way home, let's just do something. So we stopped into Savannah, Georgia. I said, uh, it's your birthday. I want you. You're gonna st- we're going to stay at this lush place. Whatever you want, look it up. She goes, well, here's the Marriott. You know, and if anybody knows me, I am kind of cheap when it comes to hotels. Hey, watch it. And uh, $69.99, that's my hotel. We keep the light on, if you know what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> So I was like, okay, $69. Anyhow, she was like, it says $200. I'm like, anything for you, honey. That's a big bill for an overnight stay. And, uh, but, it, but it was worth it. And uh, what's that? I know. I wanted it. And uh, so anyhow, I wanted the luxury. So we get in the hotel and, you know, it, it, was, it was just beautiful. And I said, I want to be on the river there. How many of you have been to Savannah, Georgia? Beautiful. 
I, I really recommend that you go there. Uh, it's, a, it's a great place. So while we're there, Becky, as she was in the room, she looked to the left. And not that I'm obsessive compulsive. And even though I might stay at the place with the light on, I still like a place that's clean. And uh, But there was runs running down the wall. Now, let me back the train up just a little bit. Here's what's so cool about the story of Pop that was going down. It was sticky, dark Coca-Cola that had splattered everywhere, and they forgot to clean it up. And then I noticed a couple other things when I turned on the sheets and noticed that somebody's mascara was on the pillowcase. And then I was in the bathroom and noticed there was fingerprints on the glass sliding doors. And I thought, oh, that was awesome. However, as soon as we get there, we pull up the vehicle, and here is Mohammed Nikshaw. And he is our bellhop. And he's like, oh, where are you from? And all that kind of stuff. And it was really cool because um, one of the things that I loved uh, about this guy was just very energetic and kind and, and just really wanted to help. So he says to us, hey, um, would you like your bags taken up? I said, that would be awesome. Could you help carry our bags up? And I said, uh, and he said, well, you'll, you'll park underneath the building in the garage. It's safe there. And I go, oh, but I've got all this stuff in here because we're traveling. He says, for you, sir, we're going to let you park right underneath this canopy. And where this canopy was at, did they get any of those pictures up there yet? See where this canopy was at? This is the, actually the bellhop. That's where my car parked. I had VIP service, and you know what he said to me? Sir, your car's going to stay here all night long, and we're going to keep an eye on it like I had gold in there. I know we had pillowcases and sheets and clothes and all that kind of stuff, but he's like, nope, your car's going to be parked right here. So, you know, one of the guys that worked for him, uh, Nick said this, he's like, hey, uh, and you know what we're going to do? We're going to take off that parking fee of $25. You don't have to pay for it. We'll keep up with your, with your car. Wow. What service is that? Well, we get to the room. We find out that the, the room wasn't as clean as, as it should be. And so as we're leaving, we had a gentleman by the name of Marcus, and he was not Marcus. Marcus. I didn't have a lisp. And, uh, so his name was Marcus. And so he said, uh, how was everything? I said, well, my wife's up there checking out. We had a little, what? Oh, no, you're not. You're not paying for that room. I was like, all right, now we're talking. Yeah. This is getting better all the time. We had VIP service. The guy was guarding the vehicle. And that is favor. Lord, I'm content with whatever filth you bring my way. Just show me dirt. And uh, so, anyhow, so, anyhow, so he goes up, he marks right up there, and the lady behind the counter is looking at Becky. She says, ma'am, we are very sorry. You know, don't you worry about it. We're going to take care of your night's stay. He goes up, and he, Becky said, all I could see, the two of them was like, she's like, I took care of it. He's like, oh, okay, great. And uh, so we got to stay free, which was awesome. Now, Wait a minute, it doesn't stop there. So I said, hey, babe, let's leave Savannah, Georgia. By the way, they were filming Lady and the Tramp, which was really cool. And they had snow in Georgia. So they had fake snow out there. It was really cool for us to see. And uh, so we had a cool little dude that, that rode us around on a little tricycle bike. And uh, so we sat in the back, and we felt really important then, too. And so he gave us a little tour of the building, or of the, the city there on the historical block. And I say all that to say, God just kept giving us stores of opportunity. And this guy's like, man, it's really great to meet you. I'm so glad I had the opportunity. I said, can I take a picture with you? So now we're in Hilton Head. I said, babe, let's go to Hilton Head. You want to go there? Sure, we'll do whatever you want to do. Well, it's your birthday. Don't you guys like how we do that? Well, honey, you want to do it? Don't you say no, because I really want to go to this place. 
But I kept telling him, be content, Todd. Even if she does say no, just throw a little bit of a temper tantrum, not a big one. And uh, so we ended up pulling in there, and this guy takes us right to this place. We had phenomenal service. And God, God directed us right to this man who told us right where to go, stay at this beach house, the Holiday Inn Resort. We stayed there. We had great service. They were kind. And here's what happened. The joy of the Lord, like it was in Paul's life, became my strength. Because the girl at the front, I said, how much is it? And, you know, you're, you're staying at the Holiday Inn Beach House Resort. <clears throat> I was prepared. You know, I'm like, that's all right. I got $200. So good. $200 was knocked off the night before. Tonight, I can do this. It'll be, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is going to be astronomical, 295 But I didn't care because, you see, it was all about my wife. Just for you, honey. And uh, so I I ended up saying, and we're winding this down. She said, it's going to be $149 for you to have the beachside balcony. I said, I'll take it. Anything for her. And uh, even though she was outside in the car. And uh, so, but I looked at her and and in my my way. Do you take AAA? Can we get that down a little bit from 149 Hey, <laughs> AARP, there it is. I told her, pay the $16. I need the discounts. Anyhow, so she's like, and I love what she said. And, and the lady looks at me, she goes, I got you covered, honey. Yeah, everybody's honey down there. They all talk like this, and everybody's honey and sweetie and sugar pie and honey plums. And I, I was missing I, I, sugar plums and I don't know whatever else the plums were going on. But there was a lot of sweetness going around. But I didn't care. You give me a discount. She handed it to me. She, she charged $109. And so, you know, we were there. We had a great time. And, and I was able to talk to the management and tell them how beautiful the place was. And it was very clean. And um, my wife looks at our bill. And as at this point right now, they took the money off my card, they credited us for our stay. So I thought to myself, wait a minute, how did that happen? You know, it showed, you know, with tax and everything, one forty nine ninety five or something like that, and um, but it hit me. It's exactly what the scriptures have to say: My God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. And so there's a picture here. This is how the sabbatical started off. So we walked out, got there Saturday, and on Sunday morning, here's this picture. Look at this real closely. I walked out on the balcony, and there was a lady. And I shared this with, as many of you know, took George and Patty and, and Ron and Lucinda with us. It was a lady that was out there. And it was such a surreal moment for me because this is how this time started off. I said all that little fun stuff just to let you know that God was with us all along. Because if you'll notice, here's what it reads. First thing that morning, we see, I love you, Jesus. Jesus is strength. Jesus is hope, joy, and love. And I love the last one. Fear not, for I am with you. Wasn't that amazing? And I said, who placed her out there? And I told him, I said, isn't that amazing? It was just kind of a, 
just such a still moment. Day number two of our vacation. And so I want all of you to know something that's very, very important. This stuff doesn't happen by chance or by luck. When you take the journey that God puts you on, it's not always going to be what you think it ought to be. Paul was hoping that on the road to Damascus that things would change in his life. Well, guess what? They did change. He went from persecuting to the church to proclaiming the church. He went from persecuting those that loved his Savior named Jesus to being the man who was portraying the message. Are you doing that? Are you living, loving God? Is he a part of your act of worship? Do you give back because of what he's given to you? That, that is key. None of this happens by chance, by luck. I really do believe that his promises are true when he says, My God, it's okay. It's all right. My struggles are real. It's okay. It's all right. My pain is real. It's okay. It's all right. I'm financially broke. But it's okay. And it's all right. Because my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. What are you doing, church? How are you giving back what God has given to you? Let's all stand as we pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you that this morning, Father God, that we can come before you thankfully saying, Lord, we know in whatever state, whatever position, to be content. God, if there was a way that I could portray to to this congregation just how good you are, I could share 15 other stories. But Lord, they have to experience it for themselves. Lord, help us to be content. Help us to know that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us. You know what we're doing. And Lord, I love that even in your word where it says that even even in from the dear pastor that it says it passes by God through Christ and to us. For you know the will for our life. God, help us to be rooted and to be planted. Help us to bloom where we're planted. Help us to grow where we're at. Lord, help us to know that you're always with us, that you're walking with us and you're talking with us. Paul was in prison, but he knew. He knew what it was like to have the joy that only comes from you. So, Lord, when we seek to have something better, Lord, help us to remember what you've given to us. You've freely given to us. Thank you, Father, for your word. Help us to live in it. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your kindness and how you take care of us. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Here's a